Welcome to Help from Future Self. Hey, what's happening, Archons? Welcome to another episode of Help from Future Self, a casual Keyforge podcast with Keyforge pals. My name is Scuzzy Gruen, but my mom calls me Alex. I'm joined, as always, by my two Keyforge compadres. We got Rick the Wheeling Keyforger. Hey. And the prodigal son, returning from his voyage to the Grand Championships, it's Boulevard Paper Fight. How's it going, Blake? Hey, what's going on, guys? Good to be back. I had such a good time listening to your rundown of how your games went that you recorded while you were at the Grand Championships in Washington, D.C., but I really wanted to start this episode of Help from Future Self off just asking you, overall, what was the experience like? What was it like to get to hang out with other Keyforge enthusiasts at an event of this scale? It was uh, it was awesome, actually. The community was great. Getting to, to put faces to uh, Twitter handles and uh, Discord handles was amazing. Like, I literally started off my night by... Uh, having a, a few beers with someone that I played in an adaptive league literally the week before. So that was really cool and just had great conversations. And it was such an inclusive and welcoming community. And I already had that impression just from the online uh, conversations that occurred, but to actually experience it in real life was just absolutely amazing. Like just making friends left and right with people, like pretty much once you played someone in a game, you kind of low key had like a, a friendship afterwards where you're cool with one another and you want to have conversations and whatnot. So uh, it was really great. Um, There's just one frustrating thing that uh, the way the grand championships were presented, it really felt like it was the premier event that has happened thus far, and would be the most highest level of play before worlds. That's very much the impression that I got from the way that they were hyping up this particular event, the Nova grand championships. Yes. And uh, it was not the case in person when you were there. They there was very minimal ffg representation for the event there was no ffg judges at all it was just two people from nova and um not to say anything against the judge but uh i don't think they were totally qualified and i'm not sure what the thought process was of that like the grasping of uh rules and and the way gameplay should be was not totally there at times and there was a little bit of confusion with some things so that was a little bit unfortunate considering it was a grand championship um, we got the usual gem went down thing to start with. So we had a delay of an hour and a half, which, which is it, to Whoa. be expected. But the weird thing was, was that some people had their deck for two hours longer than, than other people, which was, and there was nothing to stop them. They were like, gave you your deck and said, go ahead, sleeve it up. Meanwhile, there's a huge line and some people literally had their decks for two hours longer than everyone else. So it was uh, kind of strange. I would have thought there would have been some like, hey, don't look at your decks yet. We're going to be a time when you can do that. Keep them in their boxes. There was there was no, I don't know if that's a normal thing, but I thought that was weird. I was lucky enough to be in the first segment where I did not have to wait for uh, my deck. Like some per, some guy literally had his deck for five minutes, all three of them, before the, the game he had to play them. So... That was that was one little bit of a frustration is there I felt there should have been more pomp and circumstance for the event and it, there just wasn't there was no prize wall there was there was nothing it was it was just literally like we were in a room they capped the event at 70 people so uh that was just a little bit disappointing cuz the way it was represented was it was a much bigger event and it did not feel that way when you're there in person but yeah. on the flip side it was great to be around such a great community and that totally like by and far outweighed the the negatives uh, i was just a little disappointed that there there wasn't more to it from the way it was represented 
I, I totally get that. And, you know, we're a, we're a pretty positive podcast, I think, in the way that we try to approach the experience of playing Keyforge. But I know that a lot of people have had a lot of frustrations around a lot of organized play. And we've, you know, even expressed a little bit here on the show before about the way certain events were announced or confusion around events and people mm-hmm. not necessarily knowing what information is out there and not being able to find information, not being able to get information. And I really hope that FFG is paying attention because there's such a passionate community, as you noted, of people who mm-hmm. really want to be a part of this game. You flew to another country to go to the premier event. And I, I feel like they have to acknowledge the fact that if people are that amped about the game and are that willing to invest their own time and money and love into it, that you know they really need to to show it on their end as well. And I really hope that that's something that they think about going forward. I'd really like to see that. Yeah, I flew I flew into another country and then across the continent basically. So it was it was a long trip. I had a fourteen hour journey home afterwards. So it was it was good times. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that's that's completely wild you know but with that said uh folks who didn't check out uh the last episode that went up should go and check it out so you can hear a little bit about blake gameplay action and we're gonna have a very very special preview of worlds uh collide which blake got to play against uh coming up a little later in the Mm -hmm. show but first let's go to one of our regular recurring segments This one's going to be led by Rick and is one we call Would You Rather, where one of us poses a question to the others. Which card would you rather have in your deck? Rick, what you got on deck for us? Well, it's two cards that I love from Untamed. Which would you rather have? Panpaka Anga or Panpaka Jaga and why? So Panpaka Jaga is the three power one with skirmish where creatures to the left get skirmish. And then Panpaka Anga is the five power one that creatures to the right get plus two power. Thank you, coach. <laughs> yeah, so those those ones for me, um, this was a really hard one, I must say. Like I, I was really torn about which way to go and I still don't know if I have the right decision. And the reason being is I feel like these actually are very deck dependent. The ones we've done in the past have been in a way on their own, held their own merit. But what else you have in the deck really makes a difference since these affect everything else in your deck that is a creature-based board yep. state. So for me, the, um, the Panpaka Jaga I liked because if you have a deck with a lot of fight triggers, uh, you're going to basically be getting maximum value for those because they're not going to be taking damage. So every turn until they're dealt with, they're going to be able to trigger those fight abilities, which I thought was uh, a great aspect of having a Panpaka Jaga. And then Panpaka Anga is going to be giving all your creatures plus two power, making them way more sticky on the board and really going to make them be able to last longer. And those things that can get taken out easily are now so much harder, not to mention itself is a five power. So it's also going to make it very hard to get rid of and remove that effect as a whole. Um, The one thing that came to mind right away was was Grump Buggies. If you have a Grump Buggy (laughs) deck and you have a Panpaka Anga, you are literally making your life so much more fun and your opponent's life so much more miserable. Indeed. That, that, so that was kind of a big thing for me is the stickiness of Panpaka Anga, uh, even playing against it this past weekend at the Nova. Um, that that was a big thing is, is Panpaka Jag I was not as worried about where Anga made things a lot more troublesome. So I'm going with Panpaka Anga as my would you rather just because it makes your whole board more sticky and harder to take care of. Alex, what about you? I think I got to go with the same 
uh, card. Pen Packet Jaga, I think, also has an interesting Grump Buggy application, which is one of the things I've noticed about Grump Buggy is that if you're running, especially as I do in my case, a double Grump Buggy deck, you want to tamp down your opponent's board constantly. You want to, every single time they put out even a single creature, you don't want to wait to see if they can throw down like a Blood of Titans or something else to pump a creature up or do something else, put down uh, whatever the wall card is, Hadris Wall, that you know can pump up their their uh, flank creatures to give them the capacity to to you know uh, be over the the five limit to really pump it up. You just want to constantly be tamping down creatures as fast as possible. So Panpakajaga does have that application in a grump buggy deck. It gives you the ability to use your big bodies that are powering those grump buggies to totally hold down your opponent's board, and that without them getting damaged. So they stick around a little bit longer while also going to work for you. That's great. That said, Panpaka Anga, it is so hard to argue with. Everybody gets plus two, and it's a five power compared to Panpaka Jagas three, which means it's out of the reach of a lot of basic removal. I got to go Anga. reason I came up with this question is because I have one deck with each of them. So I was curious. I mean, what do you find uh, has been the one that's been performing for you, Rick? I know that you're a huge Untamed fan. Untamed is your favorite house in all of Keyforge. When you sit down and you open up a deck and you see one or both of these, does either one of them like spark feelings in you or are they both sort of on par? I actually, and this you're both going to find this funny, I haven't played them yet. What? Because there's, there's so many other things that I've seen in Sealed or whatever that I that I need to look at. I haven't played them yet, but they are they are like the one and two on my list. When you've gone against them, which one has been a bigger issue for you then? I would say the, the Anga, giving everything plus two. Yeah. Because I have played against both of them a couple times. I actually have a, a funny story revolving around this. So at Nova, we were played, we played a side event, one sealed, and I got into a situation where my opponent built up this huge board with Pan Paka Jaga out. And this is another reason why I don't hold it as high. And so its creatures were just like all skirmish. There was a, a huge board of untamed and some other creatures. And all I had was three creatures was a Groggins, uh, Lollop. And then I had a drummer not out. That's all I had. Three creatures versus this huge board with skirmish. So they could just swing into one after the other and just take out my board next turn. And so I had in my hand a Phoenix Heart, which is an upgrade that says this creature, when it's destroyed, deal three damage to all creatures and return this one to your hand. So what I did was to board wipe is I put the Phoenix Heart on my opponent's creature and then I attacked into it so that it got, could get destroyed that turn since my creatures are so big. And it board wiped my opponent's entire board, except for a stunned Groggins, returned their Rusnar back to their hand, and I was left with just three damage on these big, beefy Brobnar dudes. And it was it was a an amazing situation to deal with this because I was facing that skirmish. But if it had been Pan Packa Anga, I would have been in trouble because it would have not stopped that from happening, and the board would have just been able to swing into me. So yeah. that, again, why I think... That skirmish is, is is it's only good on the offensive, where elusive is more on the defensive, I think, in a way. And so having more power is always going to uh, gonna help you out, I think. And that's why I think Anga just takes it. Interesting, interesting comparison between the two cards. Thank you so much for that, Rick. Time for us to talk a little bit about some local Keyforge business. We just found out that two of the stores that we play at are going to get prime championships in the next couple of months. I believe that they have to be run between November and March. Is that correct? Yes, that's what they said. 
which means they're basically planning on having worlds collide in the mix when this happens is what it sounds like. That is super duper cool. Also, we happen to be kind of chummy with all the people who uh, run the local events. And in fact, we were all in the same place at the same time. Uh, the, the folks who run it at one store were at the other store for a casual like chain bound event last night. And so we kind of had a little like discussion slash debate about what the best format would be for each of the stores. And I thought that was really neat. Blake, you made the argument that we should be doing Sealed at one and Archon at the other. Why don't you lay out that that, that argument for us? Because I thought it was an interesting one. Yeah, so basically we, we know that they're each going to have a store championship and then they're each going to also have a prime championship. And I believe the store championships must happen by November. So it works in that timeline with store championships and then prime championships. And, and I just suggested that they shouldn't both be sealed because... One, that's going to cost more money. And two, it allows for people to see different events and how different lines of play happen. So I just thought it made sense to have a, a different experience at each one. So one is going to be a sealed experience and one is going to be an Archon experience. So then decks that you know and are very familiar with that you think are the Superfly TNT can come out and see if they actually have the goods to take down a tournament when everyone's in that same boat. And there's going to be no chains in this event. So Jonathan's 11 chain deck is going to basically be out there. and Or is it 10 chains? Yeah, his 10 chain deck can come out with nothing on it. So these are all very interesting aspects of it. And it allows people who've had decks that they haven't been playing because of the chain bound experience. It's like no, no point playing anymore because it's at a disadvantage can now see how good they really are and then you also get to play the seal side of things where how is your true skill of being able to read a deck list and perform the best you can with the limited pull you may have gotten which would you prefer of those two um rick if you had to choose if i said let's say that we only got one prime championship and you had the deciding vote sealed or archon what do you want to do uh I do enjoy both, but I've noticed that my track record at sealed because I cannot analyze is just terrible. So I would probably go with the Archon just because I know the deck better at that point. So that's interesting because I would go the opposite. Um, I think that I am an okay tier Keyforge player. I'm not trash tier, but I'm not coach tier. I'm 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 okay tier. We'll call that the middle tier of Keyforge player. I play enough that I have a pretty good grasp of the game. I know the card set. I know what to look out for when I'm assessing. Uh, so you know, it, it, for me, it really does come down to the fact that I don't think I have even a chance of placing if we're doing Archon because I know that guys like yourself and uh, Jonathan, who we had on the podcast a little while ago, and a bunch of the other players are going to bring just the absolute best Keyforge deck in their collection. And, you know, the only real chance I would have of defeating them is really getting a grasp on that. And so, you know, ultimately, I think sealed is my format of choice. I'm glad that we're going to have the option to do both. I'm certainly not saying that I don't want to play if I don't think I'm going to win. But it seems yeah. to a certain degree like a bit of a foregone conclusion as far as the Archon tier events go. But I mean, that's also the nature of playing at the higher level of play, right? You have to expect that mm -hmm. people are bringing their absolute A game and their A game decks. I accept that. I'm just happy that I'm going to have the opportunity to do both. I honestly yep. think that that statement is not necessarily true for you, Alex. And oh, the reason why I feel this flatterer. way is because you <laughs> actually are one of the people that I know that truly gives their decks all a shot and plays with them. You don't focus on one deck that you think is the best and 
maximize your your reps and understanding of the deck. And I think between now and November and March, if you did decide to choose three decks that you thought you were best and you actually put in work every week, you would actually maybe change your tune of how you feel about that. That's what I think. I agree with that. I'll take that into consideration. I got to say, though, half the fun of Keyforge for me is I want to try a deck. I want to try a deck. Oh, yeah. What, what, what else do I got? What else is here? Yesterday, I sat down to do a Keyforge inventory. I went through. I unsleeved a bunch of decks I'm not playing. And every single deck that I pulled out of the box, I went, I should play this. This deck looks cool and fun. That's a combo I never saw before. Oh, wow. I forgot I even had a deck that had this card in it. I think I'm, I'm, I'm not tied down to one deck. I'm a, I'm a, I can't be a monogamous Archon guy. I can't even be a polygamous <laughs> three Archon guy. I got to have all the Archons. It's, 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 <laughs> I, 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 I just can't be tied down. I'm a, I'm a freewheeling, love them and leave them kind of guy. But with that, don't tell my girlfriend I said that. Jesus. Um, <laughs> it's okay. She doesn't listen to this. Um, uh, with that said, Blake, I am so curious to hear about this. What was it like to play against a Worlds Collide deck? You sent me uh, and Rick a screen cap a little bit earlier, a photograph you took of one of the cards that you got to play uh, with that I haven't seen before, I don't think, in any of the other spoilers, and it's blowing my mind. Tell us all about it. Yeah, so um, that actually is from Zach, our friend Zach on Twitter, who's an awesome guy. Uh, he Zach actually Armstrong, shout out. Yeah, great guy. Uh, it was fun hanging out with him all weekend. He took that picture uh, after my game because those cards came out. And so I um, also want to give a shout out to Jimmy from uh, Fantasy Flight Games uh, OP sector. He was the one who was piloting the deck. And I honestly think he was such a good sport because I have a feeling he was not trying to play to the best of his ability, but playing to the best of allowing the maximum amount of cards to be seen for us uh, Keyforge fanatics out there. Because uh, I beat him three keys to zero and it just... He had this amazing board, but yet he didn't win. And so I just think he was just being a good sport and allowing us to be able to see the most out of the the new spoilers and the way the cards interact. So that was really great. And uh, shout out to him for just being such a good sport. But to get into what you were referring to is in Brobnar, there seems to be a mega version of some cards. So in this instance, what you're referring to was there is a card called Shorty. And there's also a called, card called Shorty's Brew. So Shorty is a four-power creature with Assault 4, and it has a Reap ability of Enrage. Now, from what I understand is there's a card called Mega Shorty. And the way Mega Shorty exists is if a deck has Shorty and Shorty's Brew, it kind of triggers that chase symbol to appear, and then you can get a Mega Shorty, which is exactly the same, but instead of being a four power creature, it's a six power creature. Like the art is exactly the same. The text is exactly the same. The only thing that's different is it's got a six power instead of a four. And so the Shorty's Brew is um, is a great card and it just basically gives two power to a, to a creature. You just put two power uh, tokens on it. So it just makes things bigger. And he was using those mainly not on Shorty, but on the Grokes to make these fat Grokes because he knew those were his only Ember control in the deck or one of them. So he'd make his Grokes really big so he could swing in and make you lose Ember, um, which was really cool. But yeah, it was just this this uh, this understanding and discovery that there's going to be mega versions of cards that require another card to exist within the deck. And if those two cards are present, then the regular version becomes a mega version. 
So that was just super cool to uh, to see that. And uh, the deck he played me against uh, played against me was a Star Alliance Logos Brobnar. And I'm super jazzed for the Star Alliance. I think in terms of gameplay, it's going to be one of the most fun things we've ever experienced. But I was the most impressed with the Logos in that deck. Like the stuff it did was phenomenal. Uh, there was, first of all, a key cheat in Logos called Data Forge, which is you forge at plus 10, but minus one for each card in your hand. And I have Love a feeling, yeah, it's going to be great. And I have a feeling the archiving in Logos is going to be a real big thing. And not even that, there's a Star Alliance cards now that can allow you to archive so the ability to potentially pull that off i think is is a lot greater than the key abduction return to your hand i think it's going to be very archive um, reliant and i think that's something that they may have noticed because i felt that the archive aspect of the game was much more prominent in the aoa side of things and i think they're going to be carrying that forward one other card that i saw that i would just absolutely like loved was the wormhole technician which was basically a more controlled version of Wild Wormhole. And it had a reap ability of look at the top card of your deck. If it's Logos, play it. If it's not, archive it. So again, further um, developing that Data Forge potential. So it was so much fun to play against. It was great to see the cards in action. Uh, there's The Star Alliance is just so cool. There's all these really great cards that we're going to get to see. I, I cannot be more excited for Worlds Collide. Like the fact that we know about it this far in advance and we know so many cards this early is kind of annoying because I have to now, and I'm sure you guys feel the same way, is wait another two months before we can actually get our hands on these. So yep, I'm, I'm already I'm, biting. Yeah, we, we need to get those cards soon. I can't wait for them. I'm very like excited about it and i sort of like really enjoy the regular trickle of sort of spoilers and fun little things that we've been able to discover about the set <clears throat> i've said this before on the podcast but uh, fantasy flight has been very good about keeping people jazzed about keyforge by never stopping with announcements of some kind there's always mm-hmm. something new and cool happening and this looks like it's going to be the sh- you know I-, I i said this before this is like phase two keyforge that's mm-hmm. what we're going to see with Worlds Collide. Phase one yep. are the first two sets. Really, we're going to start the second year of Keyforge with a brand new set, and it feels like it's going to be something really new and really different. It's going to be a sea change in the way we think about the game and the way we play the game, and I think that's rad. I'm super excited about it. I'm also very keen to find out what this announcement in late September that they've been teasing that Mr. Richard Garfield is going to be on board for. There's some suggestions online that it might not be anything that's a big deal. It might just be some tournament announcements or something else. There's also been some suggestions that it might be something very big for the future of the game. And that's why uh, Dr. Garfield is going to be present. We'll have to let you know once we know. I'm sure it'll be a topic of discussion here on Help from Future Self. But speaking of Help from Future Self, it's time for the segment of the very same name. Help Help from Future future Self. Blake, I believe you have a Help from Future Self for us this week. I do, and it came from last night. Um, I just want to give a shout-out to uh, my man Jens, who's a fantastic player. I don't think I've ever had a mediocre game against him. They've always been amazing games, and he's a fantastic player. And we just had, like, a haymaker of a game last night. We were doing 10 Ember swings back and forth sometimes. It was insane, uh, the way our decks played. And... I learned a very, actually, I should, I shouldn't say I learned. I'm still learning because I've said this before and I clearly have not learned from my future self yet because (laughs) I keep making this mistake is being very aware of 
my deck and my opponent's deck as cards go down. And um, I'd like to say that it was my 14-hour journey home that that made me less uh, less keen in the in the brain side of things last night. But I cannot say that since I've made this mistake before. But I basically was in a situation where I knew his list. I knew he had a mimicry. And I just did a big swing where I went up like, I think I did, I was up 14 ember at one point. So then I forged and I had another like eight ember. And I literally totally forgot about his mimicry. And he just did this huge untamed board and I the turn before did not play optimally in terms of making sure I drew a card and being aware of how many cards are left in my deck because I knew he had that mimicry and I literally left that turn with my entire deck in my discard no cards to draw and I was at six so I had if I'd done one more I would have shuffled my whole deck and not been in this predicament so I left my entire deck for him to mimicry and choose what he wanted and my deck has two doorsteps to heaven so he literally just doorstepped me way down and I was just like in trouble. And it was that move that allowed him to close out the game. Cause if I had removed that doorstep and just shuffled my deck, he would not have been able to come back. So uh, shout out to him for, for the play. It was great. Like it was such a fun game to go back and forth with these huge swings. Like he generate 12 Ember and then I would doorstep him and then I would do a similar thing. And then he'd use a shadow and steal a bunch of stuff. It was just so much fun to have that back and forth. But my lack of awareness for the fact that he had the mimicry and we were getting near the bottom of his deck and I hadn't seen it yet was such a poor play on my part. And I got to remember that if you know there's a card you got to watch out for because of what you have and can be used against you, you need to keep that in mind. Man, where was that lack of awareness when you whooped me in the third game of the evening? <laughs> That's what I want to know. <laughs> That's two weeks in a row that you and I have faced in the final round now, Alex. That's true. We got to have yep. we got to have the rubber match coming up soon, which I'm sure we will. I myself have a help from future self, and you'll have to excuse me if I'm a little bit salty about this one, but I'm only salty at myself, not my opponent Marco who had a fantastic game and who I really felt like it was down to the wire, but I made a critical critical mistake that I have not yet forgiven myself for. Long-time listeners of Help from Future Self will know that I hate Tolus. Tolus is a disc creature, and Tolus's whole deal is that when a creature dies and Tolus is on the board, that creature's opponent gains one. And the reason I hate Tolus is that oftentimes you put down Tolus and your opponent gets a chance to make more of Tolus than you do. It's very difficult unless you only have Tolus down at the end of uh, your turn for them not to turn it around on you. Um, you really have to have like severe board control, but it's always a roll of the dice. And it's one that I generally do not make. He's almost always a discard for me. And yet this time out, I got cocky because what I did was I threw down Tolus and then hit a three fates uh, that took out three big creatures across the board for me. And I got three Amber out of it. Next turn, uh, it got bounced back to my hand with, I believe a lights out and it was sitting in my hand again. And instead of discarding it and going with another route, I put Tolis down again when I had a fat board of creatures ready to go, thinking I'm going to put down Tolis. Uh, he probably won't be able to get anything off of me, and then I will just destroy his board next turn. What ended up happening was that he threw down the Spirit's Way, which just annihilated my board, and he got Amber for every single one of those creatures. I think he went up like six or seven Amber in that one play because I was dumb enough to put down Tolus. So the lesson to myself is, one, always discard Tolus, but two, you know, pay attention to the fact that it's not just 
uh, creatures that can cause eliminations on your side of the board. There is a million other cards. So just being aware of board state and having dominance in board state is not always enough. You have to be absolutely certain in a scenario like that, that they don't have something else that can wreak havoc on you because it lost me the game, genuinely. All right. This has been another episode from Help from Future Self, the casual Keyforge podcast for Keyforge friends. You can find us on Twitter at HFFS Podcast. Uh, something brand new that we wanted to talk about. We're going to be starting up a Patreon. Blake, you're going to put that in the show notes unless I'm mistaken? Yes, I'll have that in the show notes. And we're just leaving this as if you enjoy the podcast and wish to support us, feel free to contribute whatever you wish. And if you don't wish to contribute anything, that's also fine. Uh, but I ran into some people when I was at the Grand Championship who insisted that we should have that. So uh, we're going to come up with some plans for uh, what we're going to do in the future as the funds accumulate and uh, hopefully have some very cool things in store for you in the future. But uh, we just appreciate all support just from you listening each and every week. Uh, if you wish to do something more, we do. We will have this Patreon link available for you to contribute. And we really appreciate all the support that we have been getting. It was so great to just meet people in real life who recognized my voice and came up to me and talked to me. And I mean, I was wearing a shirt too, which helped, but uh, <laughs> they, there was a lot of love there for the podcast. And, and it was one of uh, the really cool things about the experience when I was at Nova. That is super cool. Just before we cut out, I wanted to say um, I was playing on the crucible the other day. I joined into a game and my opponent said, I've been blessed. I love your podcast. I didn't know I was known by my my crystal name, Rickster78, but I can't remember my opponent's name, but a shout out to him. Thanks for the uh, compliment, and uh, thanks for every everyone who listens. All right. My name is Alex. You can find me at Scuzzy Gruen on Twitter and Instagram. Blake, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter is the best place, uh, at BLVD Paper Fight. Uh, and then I'm also going to be on the Wookiees Archons Corner every Saturday. There'll be a new article up from me. If you're interested in some Keyforge literature, just check out Archons Corner. It's a great resource and network of Keyforge content creators. I know uh, Jupiter does a lot of work on there too, and he's got some great insight into the game. So check out ArchonsCorner.com as well. Rick, where can they find you online? They can find me on the Crucible at Rickster78 or on Twitter at the Wheeling Keyforger. Right on. That is it for us. We'll see you again very soon. But until that time, stay forging. <laughs>